Section 17 of A Minor War History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Minor War History by Martin Alonzo Haynes. Letter 53. Near Williamsburg, Virginia, May 8, 1862. Have just come in from a trip over the battlefield and was fortunate enough to pick up the big sheet of paper on which I am writing this letter. I will commence at the beginning and tell you all about it. On Sunday morning, as soon as it was discovered that the rebels had evacuated Yorktown, we were ordered to pack knapsacks and be ready to march immediately. We had no time to cook rations, and went for two days with only the fragments we happened to have in our haversacks. We marched up over the rebel entrenchments and through Yorktown. The rebel works were very strong and would have been a hard nut to crack. The rebels had planted torpedoes along the road, but none of our regiment were hurt by them. The road was in a horrible condition and badly crowded, and we did not get along very fast. It was nine or ten o'clock at night when we filled out into the woods by the side of the road, and, with all our harness on, laid down for such rest as one could get under such conditions and in a drizzling rain. We were up at half-past four the next morning, and soon on the road again, up through the woods. We had gone about a mile and a half when we came to a big slashing, where the trees, over an area about twice as large as Merrimack Common, had been felled, criss-cross, in every direction. Beyond this, a large open plain, with a line of small forts, one of which was directly facing the road up which we were advancing. Our regiment filed out and formed line to the right of the road, and the Massachusetts first upon the left. We threw out skirmishers and advanced up through the slashing. It was rough navigating in that network of prostrate trees and interlaced limbs and branches, as we had all our housekeeping outfits on our backs. My haversack got caught and was torn to pieces, but I made that good on the field the next day. We worried our way ahead, up to the edge of the open field, and there halted for our artillery and the rest of the division to come up. We had a pretty lively time there, but nothing very fierce. The rebels had four or five field pieces in the fort, and skirmishers scattered along the front in little pits. We distributed ourselves behind stumps and logs, and quite a number had a genuine earthwork, made by punching holes through a thick mass of dirt that clung to the roots of an overturned tree. The cannon in the fort sent a solid shot every little while, smashing and crashing down through the timber. But a number of our crack shots paid particular attention to those guns, while others devoted their talents to educating the rebels in those little picket holes. Perhaps half a dozen, selecting some particular hole, would lay with their sights covering the little mound of fresh dirt outside. The instant a head showed, there was trouble in that pit. They soon got enough of it, and for a long time the pits in front of the second, for all we could see, might have been so many graves. All this time the rain was pouring, and we were fairly waterlogged. As business dragged, some of the men unfolded the little sections of tent and spread them over branches for a shelter. Others nursed up little fires and cooked a cup of coffee. Up to this time we had not had many men hit. Lieutenant Burnham of Manchester was shot in the leg, and will, I am told, have to lose it. A man named Cole, Uriah W. of Company H., was killed by a cannonball. 
at length our artillery came up and went into position in front of us we lay supporting them an hour or two and they were not having a very hot time of it then in the woods to our left beyond the slashing a tremendous fire of musketry broke loose volley followed volley and after a while it was evident the firing was coming nearer which meant that our troops in that part of the field were being driven back and the rebels were gaining ground towards us they came upon us through the slashing and along the edge of the field i got in three or four shots across the road which was better than most of our fellows could do when the order was passed to fall back to the edge of the woods and reform this was no boy's play balancing on a log and looking for the best path my cap went flying and the bark from a limb i was holding on to i had no further doubts as to the proper course a tunnel was safer than an overhead bridge just then and the rest of the way i kept as close to the ground as i could once again out of the slashing and in line we were ordered across the road where the entire regiment was deployed as skirmishers through the woods some distance back from the slashing then we were ordered to sail in and moving forward we were soon in as lively a mix-up as you could well imagine the first squad of rebels i ran into i mistook for eleventh massachusetts men there being a similarity of uniforms and i was going right up to them when al simmons shouted look out mart those are rebels and fired quicker than you could say it i was behind a big tree and the ball had opened it was a regular indian fight dodging through bushes and from tree to tree sometimes forward and sometimes back there were no end of personal encounters and fights between squads and detachments and all sorts of mix-ups some ludicrous and some tragic heenan had his usual luck coming out damaged but alive he had a sudden and close collision with a rebel who came up out of nowhere like a jumping jack nick grabbed the reb's bayonet and pushed it one side just as the fellow fired he says he intended to polish that fellow off with his fists but two others jumped in and things were going hard with nick when some of us saw his predicament and started for the rescue with a big whoop and empty guns they faded into the background however and we didn't get one of them nick is now nourishing a somewhat lacerated powder-stained hand one of the funny incidents was when dave steele a lieutenant in company g made a dash into a squad of rebels shouting surrender you d cusses or i'll blow you to hell what he was going to do his blowing with as he had no arms but his sword is still a question but the rebels took his word for it and dropped their guns gardner or an s of my company said to be part indian and who looks it was peekabooed and pestered by a couple of rebs in the cover of an old rifle pit until he got all out of patience gave a wild indian war-whoop and closed in like an express train and put a stop to any further foolishness toward the last of the fight though we had all we could do to keep from being run over from the way they swarmed in on our front it was very evident the rebels were being heavily reinforced we were in a pretty solid line now with stragglers from other regiments mixed in but we were getting short of cartridges hooker plastered with mud from head to foot rode along the line and told us to hold that line fifteen minutes longer back in the woods we heard a band strike up and play yankee doodle we were losing men rapidly 
Captain Drown was killed, and others killed or wounded. Then our reserves came up, paddling through the mud as fast as they possibly could, and we all went in together and won out. It was pretty near night when the fight was over and the regiment got together, counted noses, and bivouacked a little ways back in the woods. We began to realize then that we were mighty hungry. But luck came my way. Lime Dickey brought in a prisoner that he got the drop on. Lime and I hitched up together that night, made the best shelter we could with our pieces of tent, and took our rebel friend into the mess. Lime and I had oceans of sugar and coffee, and that was about all. Our guest had a corn pone and a quantity of excellent bacon, but no coffee. So we pooled our issues, had a most enjoyable supper, and snuggled in together for a fairly comfortable night. In the morning we shook hands with him, said goodbye, and Dickie turned him over as a prisoner. The day after the fight I went out over the whole battlefield, and a dreadful sight it was. In an old revolutionary rifle pit close to the edge of the timber, where our last rush struck the main line, it was a ghastly sight. In one spot, seven bodies lay literally in a heap. They were apparently cut off from rapid retreat by the barricade of felled trees. Up halfway through the slashing I came into a path, hardly wide enough to be called a roadway, which had been opened up for some purpose. In this, regiments of the Excelsior Brigade had made their fight and had suffered heavy losses. In some spots I could have walked a considerable distance among dead bodies. I followed this path out into the woods at the left, where the Jerseys fought, and beyond them dead rebels scattered about. One of these had piled up a little cob-house screen of rails, which was about as much protection as a pasteboard box would have been. He was still there, prone on his breast, his gun thrust through between two rails, a finger on the trigger, and a little round hole in the top of his head. The dead were lying in almost every conceivable position, sometimes absolutely grotesque if it were not so pitiful. Some apparently never changed the position of a muscle after they were struck. Arms in position as if loading, some still clutching their piece in one hand, and in the other the ramrod with the charge driven part way home. The rebels had some Indians in this fight. I saw at least two lying among the dead. The dead are not all buried yet, but are being covered up as fast as the details can get to them. I have quite a number of bullets I picked up, and buttons from the uniforms of dead rebels. We will move on from here as soon as supplies come up, and we'll probably have more fighting before we reach Richmond. It was awfully rainy the day of the battle, but is sunny and beautiful now. I have tried to give you some idea of what a time we had. I had just time to write you the briefest sort of a note Wednesday morning. Did you get it? I begin to feel now as though we should get through before many months, for I know we are going to thrash them out before long. End of section 17